0: Hello and welcome to episode 17 of the Right For Your Life podcast. Uh, today I'm joined by my trusty co-host as ever, Mike Hurley. Hello Mike. Hello Ian. And we have a very special guest who's come to talk to us about a fantastic new book deal and that's Emma Newman. Hi Emma. Hello Ian. Hello. So this is uh, this is all uh, very exciting but before we talk about this and, um, and uh, what we're going to do is kind of compare the way that I got my book deal with the way that Emma got hers, because they're quite, they're quite different, but as we've just sort of found out really talking before we got started, there's quite some similarities um, in, in our kind of attitude and sort of persistence, I think. Um, uh, but before that, Emma, can you just sort of give us a bit of an overview of who you are um, and, uh, and kind of what you do, what you write, and I guess who you are on the internet as well, because I've, I know you through your blog primarily.
1: Uh, yeah, so uh, I'm a writer, I'm a full-time writer now. Um, Thank goodness. I used to be a full-time writer in the sense that I used to write SEO press releases Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: that used to pay the bills. But now I'm a full-time fiction writer, and and that's an important distinction for me, but probably no one else on this earth. But it saved my sanity. So um, what do I write? I've had a short story collection published, um, which was dark speculative fiction. Um, My debut novel is a young adult post-apocalyptic novel called Twenty Years Later, and that was published right at the beginning of this year, um, in a very very sexy hardback, which makes me very happy. <laughs> and um, I write at the moment. I'm writing an urban fantasy series um, called The Split Worlds, and um, that's just been picked up. Been picked up, rather not picked up, picked up by uh, Angry Robot Books, which is just. Well, I, I still can't believe it.
0: <laughs> it's amazing, it's fantastic Angry Robots have got such a good re- reputation as well it's, uh, it's, uh, you know, It is genuinely fantastic and, uh, oh, yeah. and huge congratulations
1: Thank you, thank you Yeah, the rep- yeah they have got this amazing reputation And they, I was aiming for them In kind of two years' time I thought that I, I might be able to Scrape something together That I would have the guts to go and show them So this has really taken me by surprise mm-hmm. In a huge way So thank you
0: <laughs> so before I get you to sort of talk a bit more about how that came about because it is fascinating but also slightly crazy and I mean that in a very positive way I think I hope you know <laughs> um I thought it'd be useful to compare it to the way that I've kind of ended up where I am with the book deal which I think is probably a more traditional kind of route so the way that A.S. Rangelica uh out on the 1st of September uh, Legend Press I always have to say that um <laughs> The way that that came about was fairly, fairly traditional so I, I kind of finished the book or got, got it to a place where I thought it was okay to send out to agents and then after um, uh, three or four rejections I was picked up by Tibor Jones and, and uh, that's a fairly standard way of getting um, representation for your book, it's just you finish it and then you send it out and, you, and uh, someone says yes, all being well.
1: Yeah, you, you didn't get many rejections though, three or four, that's pretty good.
0: I got, I got far fewer rejections in getting an agent than, than arguably I did getting a publishing deal, <laughs> but that's a different story. <laughs> uh, but who doesn't, you know, that's, who doesn't? Uh, that's one of the things you have to keep reminding yourself is, you know, you do get rejections. And although, you know, I'm happy to say that throughout, I did get, um, you know, not a ludicrous amount, but I got a few rejections, and, and, but loads of positive feedback. So it was always quite tricky to know what to do with it, because kind of, I wanted to improve the book, but it was always difficult, because generally the feedback was positive lots of lots of didn't quite love it enough that kind of thing
1: yeah or not right for my list i had that quite a lot with 20 years later i had lots of because i got rejected i think over 30 times Mm. um, with publishers and, and agents and i had so many like handwritten notes saying i really like it but it just doesn't fit or it's it's not the kind of thing that i represent but you're a very good writer and that in some ways that's kind of worse because you think, well, what, what, what do I need to do? What, I don't know where the right list is, and that was I, quite frustrating.
0: Absolutely, and that was my experience too. But I think it does it does go to show that that sometimes that is. for their list or that it's not the right time for them they don't have the money to spend which is quite common these days Mm. um or they don't in this particular financial year or whatever it might be so don't get too disheartened i guess is the message there because it it can happen it just you know you just have to be patient who does there's not many authors that don't have a load of projection letters that's that's very much the truth i think
1: absolutely and and the fundamental truth about publishing that everything takes about 200 times longer than you think it should or would Indeed. Um, there's just no way to get around that.
0: No. So I, I, um, I, I then had, had my agent and uh, we worked on the novel together initially, um, or I worked on it with some help from, from Sophia Tibor Jones, and we got it into better shape and we went through the process of sending it out to publishers, um, got, you know, got some rejections as discussed, and, um, and, and then eventually um, um, I was picked up by Legend Press. And I'm very happy about it, and the novel's coming out soon. But that's kind of, I mean, there were lots of things in between, lots of kind of, lots of pondering on my part, lots of conversations, that type of thing. But essentially, that's the kind of the route that most people have always taken to publication. Mm -hmm. You send it off, get an agent, your agent sends it off, you get a publisher, and then that's kind of how it works. But but that wasn't the case with you. If you could sort of... uh, Talk us through. Be, I mean, this, the idea of an investor—that was—that's really fascinating me since I first read it. I don't know how much detail you can or would want to go into here, but um, uh, but if you could kind of sort of start us off with how how this book deal came about, that'd be fantastic.
1: Yeah, sure. I, I don't mind talking about that. Um, so, uh, w- just before I even get to that point, I said that I'd had other stuff published, and and mm. both of those um, have slightly unorthodox roots in that. the the short story collection was published um, because the the small press I would written commissioned stories for for other anthologies I approached them to see if they would edit it to self-publish it and they said, oh actually can we publish it, here's a contract and I went, yes please (laughs) so that was very kind of weird and then with 20 years later um, that was a new press starting up that I heard off through Twitter and as soon as they opened to submissions I would already chatted with them and it was first on the mat Um, which I think obviously helped a lot so I I didn't um, manage to kind of experience a normal process with either of those books and um, it took a long time for 20 years later to um, get to market I signed the contract in 2009 and it's only just come out this year because it's a a very very small new press Mm. Um, and whilst I was waiting I wrote the second and third books finished that trilogy um, because I, it, I would go mental if I didn't. It was just in my head and it had to come out. And then uh, whilst I was writing them, the next idea was brewing. And so by the time I finished the trilogy, I knew what I wanted to write next. But I thought, well, blimey, if I do it the way that I've been doing it so far, I'm going to be writing these SEO press releases for the rest of my life. <laughs> and I just couldn't handle that. I just thought, no, I just, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> I've done this for four years. I can't think about keyword density anymore without my eyes bleeding. (laughs) So I thought, right, I've got to do something. And because I'm the kind of the primary breadwinner in my household, it was a really big deal because if I didn't bring in the money, the mortgage wouldn't get paid. It was as simple as that. Mm. So um, I had this kind of weird light bulb moment where I suddenly thought, hang on a minute, there are all of these kind of tech companies that just have an idea. And then they go and find a venture capitalist and they say, can you give us loads of money? Because we've had this great idea and it might not work. And the venture capitalist goes, yeah, right, or no. And um, and I thought, okay, that's a really simplified way of looking at it. But if people can find investment for intellectual property that has no guarantee of success, there are obviously lots of very clever people that look at business plans and say, yes, I I think there is a probability, a high probability this will be successful, it's still a gamble. Why couldn't I do that with a creative endeavor? And so I ran downstairs to my husband and said, oh, I've had this idea. And he just looked up at me and he said, that's really mental, brilliant, <laughs> Let do it, do it, find a way to do it. So I, I got in touch with a friend of mine who's very clever and um, does scary business stuff because I I don't do scary business stuff and uh, I gabbled at him and he said come to London so I got on the train the next day we were up till 5 o'clock in the morning thrashing the idea out and um, he helped me put together a business plan Um, and I didn't just want it to be a series of books The Split Worlds I thought okay I want it to be five books but I also want it to be um, I want it to involve role playing because I'm a really geeky role player I want to do kind of live events. I want to try and immerse people in this world in lots of different ways. And the novels are kind of the the spine of it. But I wanted there to be lots of other stuff to kind of excite people and make it come alive. And uh, I had a very stressful two months talking to people. And then I got an investor. (laughs) I couldn't believe it. And um, so I got the investor for the deal. I quit my day job. There were happy tears all round. Um, and in October last year, I started writing the first book of the series. And the plan was to publish the first book on November 1st this year. And um, I started a year and a day of short stories, building up to the launch of the first book. Mm-hmm. Um, and each story was published on a different blog every week. And There were kind of multiple reasons for doing it. One of the the main things I wanted to do was to use it as a world-building exercise and to kind of let my imagination go to other places than were in the books and kind of filling in gaps and making sure it was all rich and internally consistent. But it was also helping to spread the word about the books, obviously, which is always good. Um, But there are also clues in the stories about some of the plots in the books, but also for some of the live events that were going to happen or still are going to happen around the launches of the books. I mean, um, it,
0: it already sounds, I mean, just all the idea of live events and, and having short, uh, short stories on different blogs, I mean, it's already I mean, it's pretty innovative stuff. Um, but the idea of venture having like a venture capital type person invest in it is, I mean, Mike, you'll be familiar with this. Are you still there, Mike? Are you all right? Oh, I'm, I'm in
2: full. <laughs> I'm definitely still here. I'm not a all.
0: <laughs> but that's a that's a very that's a very tech sort of thing, as, as Emma says, isn't it? it's yeah, too, it is definitely. I mean, does it not? To me, it just sounds it sounds fantastic. I mean, when you first said it, when I first read about it on your blog, Emma, I did think, wow, what a, what an amazing thing to do. But much like the tech sort of kind of things, I always think, and as you kind of alluded to, there might not be something at the end of it. So, are, are you able to say kind of what was in it for them? So, what was in it for the investor? I guess apart from they obviously must have had a passion for what you wanted to do.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're obviously a nice person Then they're not a kind of scary dragon's den kind of, <laughs> well, I'm going to put in X amount of money and I want a hundred million times back that amount of money in five years. It was never like that. I was always very realistic with the figures, but the idea was, was that over five years, I would pay back the investment and then they would get a share of the profits on the projects. It's a, it was effectively a very shiny self-publishing project yes. I was, and I had all of the professionals lined up. I had a professional cover designer who was the first person on board and they set the visual brand for the split worlds right as far back as last summer because I needed to set up the website to be able to start you know, the whole year and a day of stories and things. Okay. So I was determined to do it with all of the right people. Um, I was going to make it as professional as possible but ultimately it was still a self-published project and I was very kind of truthful with the investor and said that there is just no way of knowing whether this is going to fly or not that all I can say is that I'm going to try my damnedest to make sure it does and the investor was satisfied with that and and I think it was also a kind of a a good deed thing um, that, you know, Mm. in the old days there was kind of patronage of the arts and, and stuff like that. And I, I think that there was probably an element of that. Um, I mean,
0: the, I guess the nearest, the, the thing that I thought of straight away was Kickstarter when I when I read it. But this is kind of like Kickstarter, but with one person, isn't it? It's kind of
1: like yeah, uh, yeah. someone
0: who's um, investing in something before it's actually happened.
1: Absolutely. Um, and I mean, it, there were lots and lots of kind of risks, and at certain points in the project it was going to be incredibly risky because I was going to have to pay to produce the books really well, so then I would, you know, effectively go into a bit of debt to produce yes. excellent books, gambling that I would be able to recoup what I had personally invested, and yeah. also be able to pay back the investor. But yeah, that that was all. That was the way it was. It was it was happening, and it was. I mean, it was never a kind of exercise in sticking it to the man at all. There was never any mm. kind of anger at publishing. All I wanted to do was to make a lifestyle where I could mm. get up in the morning and write my books and that's all I wanted yeah. and it was the it was a kind of a crazy way of doing it and when I started to tell people in like the kind of the writing communities they were like you what that's, that's <laughs> mental that's brilliant that's mental and I yeah. got these kind of mixed reactions and I thought well I'm just gonna give it a go and I wrote the first book and I was writing a short story every week and um, I was well into the second um, book, just the first draft. This is um, yeah. When I uh, when January came round, and that, that's when the kind of the story of the you know the fairy tale bit comes in.
0: Well, I, sh- I shall I shall b- break in and uh, make, do a very excellent link to Mike because uh, before we hear that second part of the story. And speaking of living the dream, in order to live the dream, Mike, we have to rely on sponsorships, don't we? To we make do. the uh, to make the cogs turn around and that kind of thing.
1: That's smooth. So,
0: <laughs> Thank you. It was very professionally done. Yeah, yeah very that. nice. It was like you heard
2: the word fairy tale. Right, that's the tease.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's less smooth when you explain that it's going to be smooth before you actually say, say this is a link.
2: <laughs> we know that's the way we do things around here. doesn't matter how great that link might be, if you've done a good one, we'll make a point of it. So... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, that's how, if, if you wouldn't have done it, then I would definitely would have called him out on it. Oh, that's
1: right then.
2: <laughs> so this episode is brought to you by Squarespace. They've been sponsoring us all month and uh, Squarespace, they provide you with everything you need to create an amazing website, which is beautiful and totally awesome. Squarespace, however, isn't just for bloggers. That's what we've been talking about primarily. But it's also a great tool for making portfolios or galleries. Squarespace has beautiful tools to create these galleries with support for lightbox integration, hover effects, and imagery sizing. They totally let you control the look of how your images look on the page. I suggest that you go and take a look on Squarespace's... um, page, their demo page. And to get there, you can go to squarespace.com forward slash 70 decibels. They have a link to portfolios and some of the examples that they have. And I would suggest that one of the great things to do if you're interested in, in, if you are a designer or a photographer and you're interested in this sort of stuff and using Squarespace as a platform, go there and take a look at some of these examples. But what's really cool and about the examples that they show is how different they look from each other. You'd have no idea that they were all Squarespace sites, and this, I think, really highlights the level of customization you have with their platform to make your site look totally unique. What you should do though, go and check it out, go check these features out, or if you want to start a blog or any other type of website, remembering that our website, the 70 decibels website, is built on Squarespace we can give you a two-week free trial. And to get that, you can go to squarespace.com forward slash 70 decibels. No credit card required for you to sign up. And if you decide that you want to, after these two weeks, you want Squarespace to be the home for your next project, make sure you use the code 70decibels5, that's 70 c i c i 5 at checkout so you get 10% off. This will also let Squarespace know that we sent you. You wouldn't know that I was reading the word decibels. I should just okay. do it from memory. If it's in front of me, I just for some reason can't spell it. But yeah, so thank you very much to Squarespace. And um, thank you,
0: Squarespace. Thank yes. you,
1: Squarespace.
2: Oh, <laughs> there we go. Everyone thanks
0: Squarespace. Everyone's <laughs> very thankful. Okay, so um, Emma, tell us about the fairy tale part of this story.
1: Yeah, um, this is where it gets a bit silly. Um, so as if it wasn't silly already
0: Um,
1: yeah so it it was January and um, there's a very very nice chap I know called Adam Christopher and um, I met him online um, oh I don't know two three years ago Um, it was back when I was starting to think about doing professional audiobook narration I didn't say that at the beginning that's what I also do and um, I wanted to build up a portfolio And I read a novella of his called Devil in Chains And I loved it And I sat in my little office For about an hour with various cups of tea Trying to build up the courage to, to contact him on Twitter And ask if I could record it for him And um, he said yes And I recorded it And it was put up on the Dark Fiction magazine website Which is a great place for podcasts of um, speculative fiction and um, it got nominated for a Parsec Award, which was very nice. But anyway, (laughs) we struck up a friendship through that, and I recorded something else for him, and we got on very well online. And uh, I launched my short story collection, and he came to my Manchester launch, and um, then he had his novel, Empire State, published by Angry Robot, and um, he had his launch due in London. And it being January, the weather was a bit vile and I live in Somerset and I looked out the window that morning and it, it, was, it was just filthy weather. And, and for those,
0: was... for, for people listening in the US, that's maybe three, four, five million miles away from London. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's... it's about a two and a half, no, actually, it's about a three hour drive and about an hour on the train and um, yeah, it, it was, I don't like driving in gale force winds on motorways, it frightens me. And I, I really did that about whether to go. And then I, I couldn't bear the thought of him having his launch. And I thought, well, what about if there were lots of people who thought, oh, it's a bit filthy out there. And he was just standing there by himself. <laughs> and I just couldn't bear the thought of it. And I thought, no, 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 no. I've got to do this. I've got to do this. I'm going to be a good friend. And so I jumped in the car and I drove to London. And there were loads of people there. He wouldn't have even noticed if I hadn't gone. But anyway, it was the thought that counted. And... When I got there, I didn't know anyone apart from Adam, who was obviously quite busy. And um, Paul Cornell, who is someone who was just so deeply lovely. He does comics and he writes Doctor Who and various things. And luckily, because I don't watch Doctor Who, shock horror, and I hadn't, before I met Paul, read many comics, I wasn't, you know, kind of so starstruck that I couldn't kind of just get along with him at at Bristol Mm. Um, which is why I met him and he's just so lovely and I went over and said hello Paul do you remember me I don't know anyone here and I was quite nervous and bless his heart he completely looked after me and introduced me to everyone and we went to this bar I think it was called the phoenix um and had kind of drinks afterwards we were celebrating and I sat next to Paul because I kind of limpeted myself to him because I was so scared of everyone.
0: If you find and someone that looks interested, you should just stay with them, shouldn't you, until they tell you to go yeah. away? Yeah.
1: He's very comforting. You know, I didn't, you know, completely monopolize him conversationally, but <laughs> I was just kind of close to him, so I, I knew that it was, it was all going to be okay. Um, as pe- if people have read my, my blog will know that I, I'm quite an anxious thing, and I, I get nervous about these things, and... So um, we were chatting away, and then I had a couple of jokes, and I felt much happier. And everyone was so, so lovely. And he turns around and says, Oh, you know, what do you do f- for your day job? Because obviously, most writers don't do that as their, their job. And I, I told him about the investor thing. And he just kind of looked at me and went, Really? That's, that's very odd. <laughs> you should tell Lee he was right. about that. Yeah, he was right. And, and I think that was when I started to appreciate just how odd it was. Yeah. And and he he was really quite you know flabbergasted by it, and he said, you should tell Lee, who's the angry robot guy here, um, and he's obviously Adam's publisher, and um, his editor, rather. And uh, I thought, well, it's Adam's night. I don't want to go over and say, oh, me, 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 when it was someone else's book launch. That just yeah. seemed bad and wrong. So I thought, well, I'll do that at some point. And then we partied, and Lee went off to go back home, and then he missed his train. And Hooray! he came back. So if he'd caught that train, I wouldn't be having this conversation with you. So he came back, and by the time he'd gone there and come back, almost everyone had gone, and there was kind of Adam and me and a couple of other people. And I asked Adam if it was okay to kind of you know, have this conversation with him. And he said, yeah, it's cool. And so I told Lee, and he <laughs> the look on his face. <laughs> he just I can see it now. He just looked at me like I was some deranged lunatic and just said what did you know, just say that again and i told him about it he's like really really i don't i really don't know what to make of that and i think i was just such a weird thing to him that he yeah. kind of caught his attention and he said um well I, i'm really curious now can you can you send me things you've written so i said yeah and we chatted a lot and he and adam went to catch the tube to another part of London the way I was going and then afterwards Adam said that they talked about it all the way on their journey trying to decide if it was a good thing or a bad thing Mm. that what I'd done because obviously I was kind of shirking the traditional route and you know was I kind of always going to be in the kind of self-publishing sphere rather than the traditional publishing sphere was I kind of you know moving in a direction that meant that I wouldn't be able to re-enter that world afterwards and and yeah. things so um i went back to my friend's place and later sent him 20 years later and from dark places and then he said oh can i um could i have a look at this split world thing because i'm just i'm just curious and i thought oh brill you know maybe he'll give me some feedback you know he's the commissioning editor for Angry robot books he's a good beta reader absolutely <laughs> and yeah and so i said well you can't read it yet because it's not good enough so let me do a revision and then i'll send it to you which i did Um, And then a a few months later, uh, April, so yeah, four months later, um, EasterCon was coming up. And and he and I, you know, hit it off. i got on very well with him. He's a very friendly, very, very lovely chap. And we chatted on Twitter and and things in in the intervening time. And I mentioned to him on Twitter that um, I I thought I had an idea for something to do post-Split Worlds. Mm. Um, And he said, well, pitch it to me at EasterCon. So I thought, oh, wow, blimey, that's really good because, you know, I don't have an agent and so it would be very hard to get anything on Angry Robots' table because they they have, you know, an an open door policy once a year but it's for very specific genres and I thought, oh, it could be, you know, a great opportunity. So we met up at EasterCon and I, I pitched him the idea. And um, he nodded and said, well, that sounds very good, and, and this is this is how you submit. I'd like to see that, but um, what about The Split Worlds? Would you be able to send that hour away? <laughs> and <laughs> I couldn't believe it. He'd he been reading it, and he really liked it. Yeah. And um, I I didn't know what to say, <laughs> I was like, really, really? And he said yes lots of times, and then I really didn't know what to do, because I had this investor, and I had everything set up, and I knew what I was doing. and. So I said, um, look, I need to think about it. Is it okay if I talk to my friend um, about this, who is an angry robot author? Um, and he said, yeah, that's totally cool. Um, go and talk it over and, uh, and let me know. So I spent a couple of hours talking it over and um, decided that if my invest- investor was kind of happy with it, that I would, that I would submit it. Um, and just because there was no guarantee. I mean, Lee mm. hadn't read the whole book he he might have got further in the book and said, oh actually, you know, she can't hold a storyline to the end or whatever. Mm. And even if he liked it, he still had to take it to acquisitions. And so, you know, there were so many hurdles that it could go yeah, down. Yeah,
0: so many, so many things to, uh, so many obstacles to kind of navigate yeah. before you actually get to that offer. Isn't absolutely,
1: it? absolutely. And so I I came back home after Eastercon and I contacted my investor and we had a very long conversation and and. Uh, bless their heart he, he said he really wasn't surprised <laughs> <laughs> which and is very so kind of
0: him to say. i mean that's that's very, an endorsement very, in itself
1: yeah very very kind and um i mean we we have i was all obviously very careful to set up a contract and i kept all of the creative rights to the project um and it was just a matter of kind of sorting out the financial aspect because Going to Angry Robot would mean a massive change in my financial circumstances because with the investment deal, I had money coming in every month to live off. Yes. Um, and you don't have that in traditional publishing. You have an advance and it's you know not enough to live off and all that kind of stuff. So I thought, well, can I actually do this? And so I just changed my agreement with the investor. So I, I've got kind of like a career development loan with a and very, our, very friendly bank is, is the way that I look at it.
0: <laughs> and are Angry Robots, uh, angry, is, that, is Angry Robots sort of involved with that? Relationship. No. Again, I don't, no. don't need to get too specific if you can't. But are they? In, is it a contract between the three of you, or is it?
1: No, no, no. It's it's entirely just between me and Angry Robot. The um, the contract with my investor, um, we agreed on what we would make public and what we would keep private yeah, of course um, and the the identity of the investor was was the thing that we both agreed to keep private because it, obviously if it crashed and burned horribly after lots of who are that would be very embarrassing for the
0: in, investor in my, in my head it's the same person um, who plays the part of the banker on deal or no deal <laughs> it's definitely the same person I can't think of it any other way
1: <laughs> well I I no. <laughs> But um, and also, I didn't want if if it turned into something and then it suddenly caught people's eye. I wouldn't want him to be inundated with requests from authors saying, "Please, can you do my project?" And you know, suddenly everything being turned upside down for him. So we agreed to keep it private. and, And I said to Angry Robot, "I'm gonna. If I can sort it with my investor, I hold all the creative rights. You and I." we'll we'll deal with this because I didn't want it to get complicated Mm. it would just be like a normal author going you know with a book and so once I'd straightened it out with my investor then it was just a matter of waiting and I sent you know I I polished up a bit more and sent the revised version to Lee and I to be honest I really I really didn't think it would go anywhere I thought that even if he liked it it wouldn't get through acquisitions and Mm. because in my mind I wasn't good enough for Angry Robot yet and
0: But you are, <laughs> you, you were and you are and you've, yeah, got, a, you've yeah. got a book deal, that's where it's, that's kind of that's the upshot of it, is that you have. Uh, you now have a book deal and it's
1: Yeah, you know. which I still can't believe because in my mind I was thinking I'll do the Split World Series, that's a two year project and then, you know, five books later I, I might be able to write something for them and for it to have been kind of shifted to now is, is mm. deeply shocking to me, to be honest
0: well its It is a, a genuinely fantastic and, and and slightly amazing story, but it could become <laughs> it could become more common and it probably will. I think the way that I did it will probably become not less common. I think it will still happen, but certainly there'll be more un, more and more unconventional routes to getting getting that deal but I think what what, it meant, what i mentioned, mentioned at the start of the podcast was that there were some similarities and before we haven 't got long left about five minutes but I guess the similarities that we had is that we both um persisted i guess because because we had you know as we discussed we had some rejections and you know we everyone has self-doubt as a writer it's really common and you never quite think that you're good enough or you think that you could or or more it's more a case of that you always think it could be better um so so persistence is, is is important but but i think also that being being prepared to kind of Put yourself out there. So if you hadn't have decided to go to that um, to the launch, if you hadn't have decided to sit next to him, or, or and, and kind of make that uh, make the effort and kind of put yourself out there and be prepared to face some form of rejection. Um, if you don't do that, then you you know nothing happens. You don't get if you don't ask. Is what my dad always used to say to me, and probably still does. So yeah. that's, do you think that sounds right? With, yeah, yeah,
1: I agree with that, and I think also that you have to put the hard work in. I mean, you worked for a long time on your book and I've worked for a long time on my writing. I've been you know, doing it, I consider it is my career for the last five years, even though I, for most of those years I had to write other stuff to pay the bills. It was what I focused all of my best energy on and I you know, spent a long time refining how I write a book, what my process is. You know, we've both put the hours in, and I think that's really important because, you know, I could have gone out and met lots of people and ended up meeting Lee and then given him a really, you know, crappy book that he would have said, Well, you know, you're obviously a really weird person who has caught my eye, but you can't write for Toffee. And that could easily have happened. So you have to. You have to put in the work so that when you do put yourself out there and those opportunities come, you've actually got something to, to show the right person at the right time. I think that's what I'm trying to say.
0: Absolutely. And, and do you know what? I think we've got, we've got that down to three things. We've actually got a nice tidy three things. That's almost advice that we're giving there.
1: Oh, no, no. Steady now. I don't think so.
0: <laughs> we've got persistence. We've got putting yourself out there. And I'm going to give it, I'm going to, instead of saying hard work, I'm going to give it, make it the three P's. We've got perspiration. Look at that. I've just made that up in my head. Oh,
1: that's nice. That's nice. Thanks. But the, I don't think I'm allowed to perspire. I think I only glow. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's true. And I think also perseverance, not only against the odds, but against your own self-doubt. Because I'm, yeah. I'm like half self-doubt and, and half tea. That's what, <laughs> and, and, and a little bit of anxiety as well. So these things, you have to kind of manage your own doubts and anxieties enough to be able to put yourself out there as well as you know persevering against the odds as well indeed um, so yeah yeah i completely agree
0: well thank you very much for uh coming on to this uh to the podcast and telling us about your story it's fascinating um mike do you want to do the roundup at the end to ask everyone what the heck they're doing you've been an inspiration as well mike i have to say oh
2: i try <laughs> the
0: way you the way you read that sponsorship it sort of made my spine tingle it was impressive yeah. wasn't it
1: yeah, it, yeah. I, I got a bit weepy. I have to. A bit, I might just be really I to,
2: tired. I don't know. I'd, I'd make people <laughs> cry a lot. Yeah, thank, Emma. Thank you so much for joining us. I've been. I have been really, really interested, and I'm sure all our listeners will. And I would love if we could arrange to have you back on again in a few months' time. Sort of check back in with you and get some more amazing advice for for our <laughs> listeners. And just give people like a, a brief rundown. Where can they find you online on Twitter? That
1: sort of stuff. Oh well, on Twitter, I'm always on Twitter. Um, I'm M-apocalyptic, which is E-M, and then apocalyptic, which I can't possibly spell.
2: It will be
0: in our show notes. Mike, 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 could you just just run that through us? Just just tell us uh, how to spell (laughs) that.
1: I'm going to say... E-M-A-P-O-C-A-L-Y-P-T-I-C. Sorry, I I type it in two seconds, but saying it out loud is strangely difficult.
0: That's okay. And now you, Mike? Now I've got to spell it, have I? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. It's a
1: spelling bee. <laughs> so oh, I' just, I'm,
2: Poppa- just... I'm just not going to. I can't even say it, let alone spell it. I know
1: it. it was a really bad choice, but I, you know, I was a newbie. I didn't know what I was doing. So I, I'm <laughs> apocalyptic on Twitter, and um, my website is um, www.enewman.co.uk, and the Split Worlds website is www.splitworlds.com. And if you go to their or to my site and click on free stories you can sign up to get a split world story straight away and then one every seven days until you've got all 54 of them
0: marvelous awesome
2: great and Ian thank you people find you online if they would like to do so
0: um, I am Ian Broom on Twitter, I-A-I-N-B-O-O-M-E. And um, you can go to rightforyourlife.net to find the blog of the podcast. And that will soon be ianbroom.com. I've decided to go for the .com, not the .net. But we'll talk about that. Story.
2: that. That's a different story for another day, as they would say Thomas the Tank Engine. Um, I am I Mike on Twitter, I-M-Y-K-E. Uh, thank you very much for listening to this episode of right for Your Life. Um, thank you very much, Emma, for joining us. Until next time, bye-bye.